Okay, something different today. No intro, no jingle, no big explanation of who we are and where we're from. But just quickly, I'm here in Adelaide, South Australia. My name's Kirsty Rice. I'm about to introduce you to Nikki Moffat, who's in Hamburg, Germany. Nikki Moffat, how are you today? Well, Kirsty, we're in the middle of a Hamburg heatwave. Five days of sunshine and above 25 degrees. It's like a miracle. So is everyone out in their bikinis? <laughs> Pretty much. I, I haven't seen it, but it, it, it comes to be true. And I, the current trend, I just my daughter just ran off to school to get the bus or the train to school. And I had to stop her and say, stop. You can't wear that shirt to school because she's gone in this new trend that the kids have of wearing sort of like a little tank, tiny sort of strappy singlet. And then you wear like a big oversized Hawaiian shirt over the top. Like it's like oh. a thing. Um, only the Hawaiian shirt she had was one of my husband's and it was a mambo one and it had lots of rude things on it. But she didn't actually see that. She just saw, oh, it's a Hawaiian shirt. And I said, take it off. She said, what are you talking about? And so I showed her and she yeah. realized that she couldn't wear that to school. I think my dad may have had that mambo shirt. Are there like bongs and and things like that on there there's just lots of ladies erect nipples on oh it. it's it's a big yellow one yeah no it's yeah yeah my dad used to pull his out at christmas like it was a christmas present from someone so for any so the non-australians mambo was designed by reg mombasa wasn't it like this is a real 1980s 1990s thing isn't it 1990s 2000s maybe i think so maybe 2000s yeah olympics i think when i think of mambo and reg so reg mombasa was in Mental as Anything, the band, but then um, went on to be an artist and for Mambo. And uh, yes, everybody had Mambo shirts and Mambo everything, didn't they, for a period of time there? But um, yeah, my dad had one that he always wore at Christmas because someone had obviously given it to him at Christmas. And you know, my dad wasn't a, a pot smoker, as far as I know. <laughs> But but there was there were all sorts of things happening on that shirt that I don't think he was well aware of. He was a bit bit like your willow off to school without any idea of really what she was representing. <laughs> okay, she just saw it as a big flowy shirt. Anyway, yeah, yeah I fixed that. I, okay, so Nikki, moving right along into our FedEx pack questions. Sure. So, Kessie, I'm moving country. Now, anyone who's been listening along would know that. And so all my questions are sort of framed along those lines recently as all these things are coming to mind again. So we started with the big cellophane wall for the for the to-do list, which is fantastic. And one thing you should put on your big cellophane wall that my friend Fiona constructed is um, medicals before you move. So... You know, when you decide you're moving countries or when, when the decision's made, there are so many things you have to start thinking about it, so many lists, so many whatever. And one of the things that's really easy to push and just say, oh, I'll just do that later or we'll start when we get there or there's no point starting this now because we're just going to have to finish it in another country. But I really think it's important to pop down, you know, have your dental checks, all your monthly or not monthly, but your annual um, medicals that you might go for, making sure that you've got enough medication when you move to a new country, because it's if you have medications, it's really important to sort of have a, a few months supply when you arrive. And in some situations that can be quite tricky because depending on the medication you have, it could be a restricted medication, etc. So all those things, it's just good to have medical in your planning. And for a lot of families, like that's not a big deal. It's really easy. And for some families, it can be a little bit more difficult. So just wanted to shout that out there because this week, my son and I both, we had matching blood tests on, on uh, the same day. So we were very proud of ourselves and we sent our photos of our arms to the family chat. We got no love. We said we want some prizes because we both had blood tests today. <laughs> Anyway, Kirsty, is that what you've always done or like moving with four little kids in the past has been a little bit tricky? <laughs> so what was the actual question though? Sorry, I missed. So what are you asking me if I do what? Do you set all your medical checks before you leave a country or do you leave them to when you arrive in a new country? I would love to claim that I am that organised, but I don't think I am. And we obviously moved again and again and again and again and again but I was perpetually pregnant and perpetually breastfeeding and it was 
I mean, really for me, I guess that that would have been all about vaccinations. And I probably flew by the seat of my pants a fair bit in thinking, oh, well, I'll just have to get that organised when I get there. There was a lot of stuff that I couldn't have organised ahead of time um, without sort of being registered and within a system. So I guess my only piece of advice is to maybe think about that if you if you are thinking oh well I'll just do that when I get there be be wary that it might take you some time to get into the system for instance if you move to Qatar you really don't exist until you have a a residence permit and that residence permit can take some time so there's no getting into the the government health system or or sort of being able to track things without having that um that residence permit i know that people that have medications often have it on their list that they need to have the medications up to date or get a new script and that can be difficult as well because if you've just got a new script and you say oh i'd like some more you know the system can say no you can't have any more because you've already got x you know two months left so you can't come back until you until you need more and so there's a whole process you need to go through to do with that the other thing is is that uh, it's hard when you move your right to register in a new system and to look around. And when you have a lot of doctors in your lives or specialists or therapists like we have had in the past, you know, it depends on the country you move to as to the availability of those things. I guess it's my question is, um, it's a question and it's, it's more of a statement in that when you have complex or even simple medical things, you know, it, it, pays to add it to your list just add it to your list put it on the side and and treat it as one of the things you need to do like you know for example when we left the US I went and I got all the vaccination records from you know the doctor you know you you put that in you say can I have that list so when you move to a new country that kind of thing um you know dental x-rays all those sorts of things you you children are in between you know teeth teeth situations are they going to have braces are they not you know what what oh you go to a new dentist in a new country and you say oh yes my children don't have those teeth like they've had an x-ray well have they where is it like we don't have that information Mm. so you know it's just one of those things where you always have to start over you know there's a lot of people who are very organized much more organized than me and have those big thick files and can take them along (laughs) to their new doctors and they can be in different languages and there's all sorts of things so it's just I'm just popping it in as one of those things that's come up this week just to say you know you should really think about it and add it to your list and I haven't always done it but I think it's a good thing to do yeah and I think uh one thing to remember if you're traveling to is registering those vaccinations back in your home country one thing I noticed this week, uh, Nikki, is even though my husband's in a different country, he can register his COVID vaccination that he had in Qatar. He can register that with the Australian government so that it's in his system. And as in not in his physical system, in his medical <laughs> well, system. Well, it is in his system. <laughs> yeah. But I did think that that was that, I'm, you know, me, Nikki, I'm running to things that feel like positive steps towards doing something I I sent the information to G saying well here's something positive that Australia was actually factoring that in of you know where are we going to record people from overseas and their COVID vaccinations like as in Australians overseas so that is something you can do so that it's there and it's on your records that you've had the vaccination and it's there okay moving on Nikki this question comes from a review. I don't think we've ever talked as much about reviews as we're about. <laughs> Yay, reviews. Thank you. Lovely people Yay who've reviews. given reviews this week. So we had some really beautiful reviews this week. And we had one review where someone said they were a bit conflicted and that they had loved this podcast and the Facebook group for a long time. But they had recently become a repat, um, not by choice, but they'd had to um, go home. And that they'd been living vicariously through the community and longing for what used to be. And they were a bit upset about something we'd said last week when we were talking about the most cliche questions that people ask you when you're an expat. 
Um, and, you know, Nikki, we'd said that the, the sort of cliche ones that people had asked us is, what's your favourite country? Or, you know, gee, I could never move my children because my uh, parents love them too much and whatever. And uh, they, were, they were a little bit offended by it, um, that we were sort of suggesting that they were brain-dead questions, I guess. Um, and they just wanted to get it off their chest. It was a very polite way of saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not really, really cool about what you said. But it got me thinking, Nikki, about the whole once an expat, always an expat. Do How do expats really feel about those who repatriate? Like, have they left the club? Or does it mean they no longer understand? But I think also, too, how do you feel when you're... when you do repatriate, do you feel like you're being excluded from the club? What do you What do you think? I don't know. It's a really hard one. I think that uh, look. I, I was. I, I think the comment's very fair, but I was honestly a little bit surprised to read it. To be To be super honest, I mean, people can have their opinions, absolutely, and you can be disappointed, and I, I totally take that on board. But I thought it was. Um, interesting that they didn't well the way it read to me was the person didn't feel like they related to those questions so when they were an expat were they not look I'm not a repat I don't know so so that that I just want to start with that I'm going around in circles here but when you're an expat you have these questions doesn't mean when you repatriate and go back that those the things that were annoying to you or, or you know that, that you noticed a lot about your life when you lived in different countries you don't notice anymore or they have a different meaning to you I mean I, I think I, I don't know I, I mean a lot of people say that to get to go along and get along in the, in when you repatriate you have to sort of smother a lot of your experience people don't like hearing about it people don't want you to talk about it they're not interested in your former life where you lived in lots of different countries and different places and your experience is there so you kind of have to damp that down so to speak to to get along um in your home country where people expect you just to have been there all the time and know what's going on and speak about it that way so I'm not sure I'm answering the question, but I, I, I just, I was surprised to think that they didn't necessarily relate. Like I, I, I get what they were saying and I totally take it on board, but I thought it was more relatable and, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't. And it was my question. So I, I take responsibility for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think once an expat, always an expat. And I think when I meet people who were expats, I instantly feel that we have a commonality and that we'll understand each other because they've been away and done it as well. I do think that you do feel a little bit othered with repatriation. I'm you and I've talked before that I'm kind of in I'm in limbo at the moment where I haven't repatriated. I'm definitely not planning, you know, to live my life here forever and ever. I'm working on, you know, how I will return to Qatar. It's just kind of, I'm in this sort of holding pattern. But I can remember, Nikki, when I first came back, and I think it was your Sam, said, oh, she's not an expat anymore. And thinking, yes, I am. Do you know, I still have a car overseas. I still have a house overseas. I have a husband (laughs) overseas now. Do you know, I have a whole life overseas. I have a wardrobe. I have you know, my favourite earrings. I have everything that I left that I left there when I raced out the door that day to um, get my son home and get back, you know, so G could have cancer treatment. Um, but I do remember that stab in the heart of thinking, no, because they're my people, do you know, that I haven't left the club. I'm still very much in the club. And you know, do people really see me like that? That they see me that I'm not part of it now, that I, I can't possibly relate or understand because I'm back in my home country for this period of time. Um, and I would, I would sincerely hope that that wasn't the case. You know, that people would feel that way. Um, so I don't know. It's a really, it's funny because you have, if you think about the land of expat like it's a country within itself, like that if there was this country full of expats, you know, would we really be that cruel to each other if someone stepped off stepped off the island? 
don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you always have a mindset because you, you, you are changed by your life experiences. That's whether you move countries or you don't move countries. Like the experiences that you have in your life um, form and formulate your your worldviews and the way you you react and respond to things. And I know, you know, I, I, I think that I am a different person than I was before I left Australia and what, how much I would have changed had I stayed in Australia for the past 20 years, I, I can't say. But I, I definitely feel and think about things differently. And I think that that will always be the case with it when I whether and when I repatriate or not so I think yes once an expat always an expat but I think that if you have repatriated so you said you still are because you you (laughs) I'm not going to enter into an argue with you luckily my (laughs) husband isn't here to comment but um you know if you weren't like if you had packed everything up and gone back how would you feel differently would you feel uh, ah. that that some of the things were different. So that's what I'm saying. Like you've said, like yeah. you really still are, but but because uh, neither of us... I can, like, answer, yeah, okay, I can yeah. answer that. So if I had repatriated, I would have packed up and moved and started afresh. And I think if I had started afresh here, I would be launching into my life here like I would launch into a new location. Do you know? So I yeah. would be racing out to join the clubs, the communities, the people that, you know, this is where I am, this is where I'm going to be. Whereas my feeling here at the moment is I, you know, I think I got very depressed for a start about being here because I wasn't your arm nor your elbow. Um, And when people would say, oh, so you've moved back home now or you're here permanently now, it was like, no, I'm not here permanently um, because to be here permanently would be to have left my husband permanently, do you know, because he's somewhere else yep. in a foreign country. So I really, I, it's a weird one because it's kind of like when you move somewhere but you know you're going to get moved straight away but you're just waiting to get the tap on the shoulder. So it's kind of akin to when we when we lived in Malaysia, we knew that it wasn't long term and we knew that we were going to get moved. And so we didn't join the proper club down the road that probably would have been really enjoyable. We rented a car rather than bought a car. So the car never quite fit the family. Do you know, we didn't we didn't kind of buy into the whole thing and then we told ourselves we would never ever do that again and that's been in the back of my mind here because there are a lot of things I don't invest in here because I think well I'm not staying here do you know so with the rowing machine it was like well I'm not going to buy a rowing machine because I'm not staying here I'm not going to live here and then I had that Malaysia feeling of no because you could be here for another year depending on what the Australian government decides to do and so what are you going to do not do the rowing machine for the next year because you don't know like how is that going to work so it is a complete state of mind in that I know I'm not staying here I know that this is not forever but I'm just treading water till I can get back there and that is the major difference if I had moved back here I think there would be an excitement. Well, A, I would have my husband for a start, but there would be an excitement about being back here that isn't here for me right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. And yeah. and I and as I said, I don't have any experience of it. And so I can't I can't say. And I think, you yeah. know and you've talked about that before and that's one of the reasons you did the We Set course was to say, you know, like I'm, I'm here make- and I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna make it work while I'm here. So and on that, Nikki, that's exactly right. So I did the We Set course because I thought, well, what's something I can do in Australia to that I wouldn't get to do? But do you know, whenever, whenever I talk about getting some work from the WeSet course, I find myself saying, but I don't want a permanent job. I only want a casual job because I don't want to waste anyone's time. And please, like when people have said, oh, you know, do you want me to talk to this person for you or talk to that person for you? I have felt a real need to say, yeah, but I want to be really upfront. I'm not staying here forever. It would only be a a casual job until I go. 
Yeah, yeah, which is weird because if you're 24 or whatever and you've just done uni and your WESEC course, you might also only stay there for six months because something might come up and you might move to somewhere else. But because you're a a more mature, responsible person, (laughs) I'm just using those words, you put it out there to say, look, I'm not probably going to be here for a long period of time, so therefore... Yeah, it's a very strange way to live. It is a very strange way to live. I can't begin to imagine, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the answer is we view it once an expat, always an expat, because you, even if you repatriate, you've got those experiences and uh, all of us on Expat Island, we're not never kicking you out. You can come home anytime you want uh, <laughs> and hang out. So... But I'd be interested to hear how other people feel maybe who've repatriated and has that changed their whole experience and their whole framework or thinking about their expat life. Is it a whole different feeling? Yes, yes. Okay, Nikki, your bold statement of the week last week was that you were going to do 30 minutes exercise and you were going to declutter. Now, I did see on your Instagram that everything had been thrown out of the cupboard and onto the bed. I saw a wedding dress. <laughs> um, that was on the bed. The other things were on the floor. <laughs> now, how did you go? You're good. I think it was good. I put it off to the last minute because oh, it's so hard. But I, I did it. And I, I have to say, I think the secret is, and there is still a pile on my bedroom floor, and I think it is because... I'm not taking things out of it, but I'm still adding to it. So I didn't want to like do it all, pack it up and then put it all away and say, okay, I'm done here. I went through everything and I did it as best I could. And there were some things, I've still got a little section of of maybes in my wardrobe. Like maybe I want to keep it, maybe I don't. And uh, you could do the thing where you take all the maybes out and then maybe regret it. But I've given myself like a five-day window and said, okay, I'm going to this week just walk in and out of my room and every time I look in my wardrobe, etc., and just see whether I think that there's anything else that can come out because I'm kidding myself to think I'm going to keep it and wear it again. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, but I can understand the the uh, – it is a tug to walk up and down my hallway and look straight into my room and see the pile. <laughs> I could have moved it to the side, whatever. But I, I think it is hard to leave it there. But I think it's good to keep to keep it open, to keep the window open um, for me anyway. Just not say, okay, I've done it. Here's the one day that I've set aside to do it and now it's all done. Um, for clothes especially. I think it's different for tidying up a toy room or something or, you know, going through your books. You don't sort of come back and make different decisions. But clothes can be a lot more emotional, I think. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, so that's where I'm at. So pretty much there. But Kirsty, obviously your bold statement was, you, was you're on and away. I was going to go and buy the water roll, which I did. It arrived on Saturday, which was fantastic. And I've done 30 minutes every day. You can check it in my Strava. This is, I'd like to say hello to Lisa, who is a listener and um, a fellow Strava person. And she's giving me lots of little likes every day and a, whoo, look at you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I absolutely, and I know it's early days, so of course I'm going to be eager and be loving it. But I really, really do love it, Nikki. It is everything I hoped it would be and more. Um, So I have it set up with, you know, we once had the playroom. We now joke and have the wellness room. But the room has um, a monster big TV in there. And I think rowing is one of those things you can watch something while you're doing it. Um, So I've got the Bluetooth situation coming that arrives later this week where you can then row with other rowers or you can you know put the programs up where you row in a particular place and whatever but at the moment what I'm doing and what I'm loving is I'm watching things on Netflix and you know Apple TV and whatever and rolling sort of an episode of something or watching the footy like I did on Saturday and I just think it's perfect in that 
you're not getting any of the sore feet or you know hard hardness on your knees from running and you know being out on the pavement but you are getting that sweaty betty cardio um i'm absolutely loving it loving it loving it so i'm now up to 30 minutes will get give me like a 5k row so i'm you know anyone that's just scoffed their their cornflakes at that that it is early days but i mean a 5k row every day is 5k's more than i was doing before yeah so my question about that is like how's your form and how do you know how to row properly and was there any sort of tips on that because are you sore and is there different parts of your body that are aching and because rowing is a very different kind of exercise. Um, yes. yes, it is. And, you know, when I was looking at buying a rower and I kept seeing people that were selling their rowing machines, I would ask them, why are you selling it? And a couple of people said to me, oh, um, I've got a bad back. And I think if you don't row properly, you can hurt your back. So I just watched lots of videos. And that was what I did when I first started Would would. I would put up rowing videos on the telly and then just try and copy what they were saying. So the idea with rowing, this is going to be boring for everyone who does not care, but you're meant to do 80% of your effort goes in your feet. So you give 80% push and then 20% in your core and 20% arms. So you're meant to go, it's three motions. 10 and 10? Yeah. 80-10-10. Oh, sorry, 80 10 <laughs> I mean, I know you're yeah. a giver a lot to everything, Kirsten. 100%, 20% is reasonable, but just in case. Yeah, definitely a writer, not a mathematician. Um, so, yes, so the idea is big push and then at three movements, then core, then arms, and then when you come back, arms, core, uh, legs. So, um, yeah, loving it. So far, I, you know, I do have to really concentrate and, and I think that'd be just keep watching the videos, keep doing it. And obviously I can see now that I'm sort of a week into it that you do start to go, oh, hang on, that makes me go further and this is a much, you know, better way and this is how many intervals I need to have or this is what how many strokes. Um, so I'm, I also think when I get the new Bluetooth thing, it goes to an app which will you know, talk to me even more. So I'm loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. And my um, bold statement for this week is I've been saying for ages that I want to get some pics taken to update the four kids, 20 suitcases and a Beagle website. I'm also seriously thinking, Nikki, I might have to change the name of that website to make it a little bit smaller so I don't have to keep saying four kids, 20 suitcases and a beagle. (laughs) (laughs) But then you'll have to say, I'm really short name, formerly known as four kids, 20 suitcases and a beagle. (laughs) But by next week, I'm going to have the photos locked in. And the reason I haven't is I'm absolutely dreading it. I hate taking what I have hate having my photo taken and the idea of someone coming to take my photo or me meeting them somewhere to take my photo just fills me with absolute dread absolute dread I I honestly don't think I could think of many things that I would least like to do more have you ever no, had No, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm just... No, um, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. I, I hate it. I hate every photo I'm in, uh, yeah. honestly. Um, and pr- I always have. And now I can look back at photos taken in my 20s and think, oh, no, they weren't that bad. But anything since my 20s yet, don't love. <laughs> uh, so, so, so um, but do you know someone or like, will it be someone you know or someone you don't know? Because I, I think that's also different. Yeah, I would love to find someone local. I think I'd prefer okay. someone I did not know. Yeah, I, it's hard to say, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. But yeah, yeah, could be, could be. I do, I, I do know a photographer very well, and yeah, I could, couldn't. He's married to my cousin, and um, oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah, I'm going to pose for him. <laughs> but oh, then it's not it. even it's that. The it's posing. the editing. It's them sitting and doing the editing, going, "Oh, that's really not good. That's not good." <laughs> That's what gets in my head as well. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, I really would like to sort of update four kids' 20 suitcases because I, um, 
I haven't for years and I think it needs a new sort of spin statement. So I've been given a book to read by my therapist and she she's very hot on this book but it's got the most depressing title so i'm finding it i have downloaded it from audible it's called the mindful way through depression freeing yourself from chronic unhappiness and i said i didn't realize i was chronically unhappy but okay i'm good to go so but it's it's only five and a half hours and i thought well if i have walk for 30 minutes every day then i can listen for the 30 minutes while i'm walking and i can do two mm-hmm. things kill two birds with one stone so i can read the book mm-hmm. and report back next week with my findings and also uh put in my 30 minutes walking or exercise of some kind so riding or walking so i'm going to do that and the other thing is is that um i really i'm just not a meditation person i'm not i've tried it before i don't like it but it's just meant to have mm. so many benefits for your mind and sometimes your body so I have committed to five minutes a day for a meditation and so I've also been given like a little a little app for that so I'm going to so 35 minutes I'm adding five minutes to my whole process here to do 35 minutes a day and I'm just hoping that I can do it because really 35 minutes I mean is nothing in the course of your day really Really. And Nikki, what's the what's the app in case anyone else is looking for it? The app is called Insight Timer. And when I messaged you and said, oh, I'm going to get ready for the podcast. And you said, okay, give me 35 minutes. I'm going to go um, and row and then I'll get right back to you. I said, yes. okay. Uh, and I downloaded the app. And then that's all I did. <laughs> then so I found called, other things to do. It's called so Insight it's called Timer. Insight- Insight timer. timer. Okay, I might have. And it's meant well. to have nice five-minute um, meditations to do. So we'll see. So that's next week. So a lot of lot of mental work in the next week, as opposed to the physical work of emptying my closet or res- resorting my closet. Kirsty, favorite things. What are your favorite things for this week? Three favorite. Okay. Things. Um, Nikki, have you been a watcher of Motherland, which is on BBC Four? <laughs> I saw you do this. Now, there is a show I've seen called Motherland, but it's not the same. It's not the same one. (laughs) I thought, no, Kirsty's not watching this trashy TV that I've been watching about witch teenage witches. No, no. And so I Googled it and then I saw that, no, there's in fact a whole other show called Motherland that I could in fact be watching. There is, and it's very annoying if you have an Apple TV or you have a whatever TV and you go to search Motherland and you go, yes, I found it. And it's not that Motherland, it's the Motherland that you're talking about, which is about teenage witches, and you're looking for the very clever BBC version of Motherland that's, you know, witty with alcohol and sex and all sorts of fun things. It's like, no. Um, Yes, so Motherland Season 3 came out in May. I have only seen season one and two. Um, and I, and I gather, and this is the weird thing Nikki about now that we have all these different apps and all these different ways of watching things is if you have, um, an Apple TV or whatever, and you search, you know, through your microphone and your remote control, motherland and up it pops and it says yes you can buy it for 14 dollars and you go yep okay and then you no. yeah and but the your son says what are you watching it on and you're like i've got no idea <laughs> and i honestly had no idea but i gather it's on itunes i can't find it on any of the things that i have and i have stan and disney and prime and is that all i've got i think so um, but yeah, I couldn't make it work for me to find it. Um, but I did get to watch season two. So for those who haven't watched Motherland, it has four main characters. Well, the, the very main character is Julia, who's the mother. And uh, it's very sort of middle class Britain. Um, 
It also has Liz, her wayward friend, who's the single mother who's got, you know, a fridge full of frozen food and is very much more relaxed <laughs> about motherhood. It's got Kevin, the stay home stay at home dad, who's a bit wet and um, gets pushed around. You never see his wife, but you, you get the feeling she really <laughs> do, doesn't want him to, to exist. And then you have Amanda, who's the classic... Um, uh, yummy mummy you know trying to make everything look perfect blah 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 and it it really is um it doesn't challenge any social norms at all that would be the big thing against it i think you would say because it really does go with all of those things of that you know mothers are doing it hard on their own and that fathers are less involved or you know working or whatever so it's probably not great in forward thinking in that way um but it is also very very funny so it's highly enjoyable for an easy 30 minute watch and i think there's about six episodes in each season but the vibe of it is too that when you watch the pilot you you learn that this woman her mother has really raised the children and been very hands-on and her mother obviously has this epiphany of I'm not doing this anymore this is I'm done and you can look after your own children now so you you kind of swaying in and out of why won't that mother help her to oh gee you really must have done your dash like it kind of kicks off when she goes around to see her mother and her mother's hiding behind the couch she can see her mum's <laughs> legs sticking out of the couch because her mum's like no I'm not doing it Julia I'm not doing it anymore but there, there's some really funny gags there's some really good British comedy in it um, and it's really refreshing to sort of uh just sort of get through 30 minutes particularly if you're on your rower and i did see there's a christmas special which i haven't seen what is it with the brits they love to do a christmas special they love a christmas special they do they well i guess it's because it's a good plan because the ratings period goes off right around i don't know november or october and so they want people to keep interested in the series before it starts up again in sort of may or february or march whenever it starts again so they they just do the christmas special to keep it going i love a christmas special though i think it's good yeah yeah makes me think of downton abbey um uh, i think you can watch season one on abc iview if you're one of those people that has the ability to do that the other series i am loving this year is you can't ask that which is also on the abc and I think they're up to about season three as well. And I've I've watched they're them. They're so seasons. good. They're so good. And I've watched them with the kids. And you know, this, I really think this season's even better. Like, because you keep you, you think, well, who are they going to ask? You know, what sort of subset of people have they missed? But I really, really enjoyed. They had one with a group of Chinese Australians, and um, their answers were just fascinating do you know and really terrible things that they were being asked uh, like um you know do you eat did you see it Nikki? okay no i did it but maybe for those that aren't familiar because i i don't know whether it exists this format exists in other countries yes, so maybe so, people that aren't familiar you want to do a run through about what you can't ask that is as a tv yeah, show so you can't ask that is that they'll have um usually around eight to ten individuals of a certain subset of society and they'll ask them questions that they probably usually wouldn't get asked to their face. So they've had people with disabilities, they've had people, uh, I think they've had trans people, they've had um, all different sorts of people. I, I, I can't even think, this this season... The two that I particularly enjoyed was they had Chinese Australians. And so they asked them questions like, do you really eat dog? Um, Which you were like, oh, God, you know. And then the older Chinese man said, I have. And whereas the younger Chinese woman was like, oh, that's disgusting, you know, never. And then you get a real insight from the older Chinese man about how he has people in his family because of his age 
he had members of his family where their their grandparents told them stories of um, starving to death, of people, you know, watching their relatives starve to death because there was no food. And so you just didn't waste anything. There was no food wastage. And why he just can't cope if he sees a bunch of kids on a bus throwing food at each other because that's just criminal, you know, because to waste anything that you could possibly eat because that's what happens when you've had a nation who have starved um so you just you just learn so much about you know they said uh, do you all play the do you all play classical instruments you know do you all do you know all the stereotypes they ask all the stereotypical questions um and just beautiful answers i absolutely loved it you know why are you buying all of our real estate and this young chinese girl goes hey i live with my parents i can't afford a house either i'm not buying all the real estate <laughs> but they also had lesbians in this series and i loved it because just the different terminology. If you're not one of the gang and you haven't heard the different terminology of who's who in the zoo, it was really interesting. Um, and they're great. And the thing is, people are so giving with their answers of what they're prepared to disclose and explain to you. That's no, brilliant. They know, it kind of reminded me. There's another. There's a, a thing out of the UK called the Human Library. Have you heard about the Human Library? No, I mean, it rings a bell, but no, I'm yeah. not familiar with this. So I think the Human Library, and apologies to those who know more about it than I, than I might butcher this, but I gather the idea of the Human Library is you find people that have distinct uh, life um, situations and they will present at a business or at a conference or at anything you want them to and you, they are an open book that you can ask them any questions about their lives and they will explain to you what it's like to live in their shoes and that you you basically hire out a person like you would hire out a book. Yeah, I just saw something about this in Denmark last week, a similar kind oh. of program. I saw it on my Instagram feed, I think. that, yeah. and, and maybe that's where I've heard about it from, like Denmark, yeah. not from the UK. Because when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, that's where that's where I've heard about it from. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. I've got, gee, I've got a feeling it might have started in the Netherlands. Okay, that could be yeah. true. Um, so yeah, and the, and I think it kind of sort of dipped a bit during COVID because all of those events shut down and those things weren't happening. And so there's been a little bit more on the digital side of the human library. But so to me, you can't ask that is a, is a little piece of that, of finding out, you know, when no question is out of bounds and you can sort of find out more about how people live. So anyway, loved it and I would highly recommend it. I've got a couple other things I can't choose, but let's just say Baby Surgeons. Have you seen Baby Surgeons? <laughs> There's a show called Baby Surgeons. There's a show called Baby Surgeons. Now, I should qualify this with I will watch any birthing show available. I am absolutely addicted. In my next life, I think I'm coming back as a midwife. Like I am one of those people that would watch baby after baby after baby being born. I get completely sucked into everyone's story. I absolutely love those things. But baby surgeon is a little bit of that, but it's the baby has a complication that the surgeon usually has to operate in utero. In utero. Yes. And... 90% of the time they're good stories um and yeah well I can imagine they can't all be good stories yeah no but um there are you know they really are amazing in what people can do and of course they're very uplifting when they're good stories which is the 90% of the time the other 10% you need a box of tissues but I love baby surgeons that's another one is that an Australian show as well no, it's UK. It's out of London. And and it's um it's recent because everyone's wearing masks. Um, you know, in the in the first part of the series they're not, and in the second part of the series they well and truly are. Isn't that a fascinating thing about watching television that's been made over the last year is when you, you yeah. can totally date something by oh well this wasn't recent because they're not wearing masks. <laughs> and also there's been a lot of differences in um casting and stuff so i was listening to a, a podcast the other day and 
uh, was with Tina Fey and she was talking about how her daughter is in um, a production that she recently did and, and her daughter wanted to be in it. And so she said, oh, well, I'll let you, you know, I'll let you read for it. And so she read for it and then there was two people who were, um, you know, the other actor that auditioned was very, very experienced and, you know, was given the role. And she, so she said to her daughter, well, you know, you tried and, you know, that's the main thing. And it's all about the experience. And, and she said, you know, she, she did it deliberately for that purpose, you know, to, to, to do it. And then when COVID happened, the, the other actor couldn't travel to like from state to state or whatever to actually do ah. and then do the two weeks quarantine and, and be a part of the productions crew. So in the end, her daughter actually got to be in, in the production instead. Because she was the backup and she she was sort of there. So, yeah, I mean, there are lots of things that you don't sort of, I guess, if you're not involved in the industry, that you don't consider have happened in the last 12 months in those kind of things. Because you see the shows, you think, how did they even record this? And at the end, often they say, you know, this show was recorded under very strict COVID, you know, precautions, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, Yeah. no, it's an interesting process. But, yes, okay. But yours is a reality show. I'm talking about, you know, dramatic TV, but, yeah. What are your three? I saw a great show this week when I was doing my exercising on the bike and same thing as you, just like really short little episodes, sort of 20 to 30 minutes. Great show called Starstruck and it's on HBO Max and BBC, I think. And it's Rose Matafeo, I think that's how you say it. She's a New Zealand comedian. Have you ever seen her before? I'm shameful that I'd never heard of her. I but think I have. Yeah, okay, I think well, I there you go. follow her on Insta. Okay, well, you're way ahead of me. So have you seen this series, Starstruck? It is fabulous. It is so good. So it's a six-part series, um, and it sees her basically starts on New Year's Eve. She's drunk, and she sees a long line in the women's bathroom and decides, okay, I'm going to go in the men's bathroom instead. And and in, in that way, she meets Tom and goes home with him, and then she wakes up and goes downstairs to get some water and realizes that actually Tom's a big movie star, and she didn't realize that last night. And so, and then she's like super, super excited. And, uh, but it is so good. And it's got, um, Nikesh, Nikesh Patel, um, who was from the Four Weddings and a Funeral television series. Mm-hmm. And he plays a very similar character type. And I really liked him in that. And I, and I really like him in this as well. Um, and it's like, I, I, I wondered, I thought, did anyone compare this to Fleabag? Cause it's a comedian, you know, writing, she created and wrote the show with some people. And I read a couple of reviews that said it's a bit like Fleabag, only minus the self-loathing and the existential angst, and most notably <laughs> the hot priest. So that, that that review didn't think there was a lot of sort of um, sparks between the two characters. But and someone else said, think of it like a modern day Notting Hill with all the charm of Fleabag. So, but it's just really good. I really enjoyed it, and it it's. It's uh, so it's got six episodes. It starts at New Year's Eve, and then it's, so it's called Spring, Summer, or Autumn, Winter, and then Christmas. They have the Christmas special to finish the series, and so it, it's sort of the passing of time. It's it's this relation, this very awkward relationship between these two over a twelve month period, and I just really, really enjoyed it. Really thought it was great. So I think you can probably find it. And we, I don't know. Well, let's see if you can find it on one of your streaming things because it's yes. really worth seeing. And it's oh, been it renewed for good. Yeah, it's been renewed for a second season. I think even before it started, season one. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And it's apparently it was based on the fact that one night she was out in London. She lives in London. Um, with a group of New Zealand friends and they ran into someone who she won't say, but very famous Hollywood star. And they just sort of took them, took this Hollywood star around to bars all night and hung out with them. And the the premise being that New Zealanders aren't really sort of super impressed by that kind of thing. Like the, the, mm. they're not in awe and they're not sort of, sort of all hanging around saying, Oh, well, this is so awesome. Can I have a selfie? They're like, Oh yeah, you're all right. Do you want to come and have a beer with us? And then we're going to this bar. Do you want to come along? Et cetera, et cetera. So, <laughs> yeah. so the show is also a bit like that. She, she plays a, a um, you know, a New Zealander living in London. So yeah, it's yeah. really good. I really quite enjoyed it. Um, Something had, else that I just a yeah, little, yeah. little side note. We had a um, famous person at our local markets the other day, and I didn't know who he was. And I had to go and ask <laughs> someone, you know, who is it? And it was the guy who played um, uh, Christian Bale in um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, that character, Christian Grey. 
No, yes, Bale. sorry, Christian Bale. <laughs> Who's Christian Bale? Is that Batman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes, this guy played the guy in Fifty Shades of Grey. And um, so I had to ask because I could see that everybody was talking about, like we have these cute little farmer's markets that are down yeah. near us and they, they really are quintessential just out of the city, you know, healthy, organic, lovely. Someone's making their own bagels. Someone's making their own crepes. Someone's dried their own fruit. You know, like it's all sort of you can buy plants and whatever. And, and you know, it looks at this time of the year, it looks like something out of a movie because everyone's got their winter wellies on and, you know, down on Saturday morning to get their stuff. Anyway, he he was there, and I could I could hear everyone saying, "Was that him? Was that really him? Oh, do you think he'll put it? This the boy that sells the crepes. He goes, "Oh, Mum, do you think he'll put our crepes on Instagram?" And I had to say, <laughs> "Who is it?" Because I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and that's who he is, and I still don't know his name, but I can tell you that he's the person that played. Whatever it's Christian Grey. <laughs> well, so the thing is, is that there's a lot of people in Australia right now, right? There must be a lot of yes. star spotting going on because there's so yes. many productions in Australia because it's COVID free, so to speak. So there's yeah. a lot of that going on. So Kirsty, be on the lookout. Not I'm sure how many so. are happening in South Australia, but pay attention, Kirsty. Uh, one of my other favourite things this week was um, the fi- the finale, the end of an era, the end of the series of Younger. So you have watched Younger in the past and, um, of course, it's about a 40-year-old woman who um, has to reinvent herself when she has a divorce from her husband and um, pretends that she's younger than she is to get sort of an entry-level role in the publishing industry. So this was the last, last season and this week was the last episode, so... You know, it was just one of those things. And is she going to, who's she going to end up with? How's that all going to work out? And it's over. So it's sad, but it's, it's good. Is it? Yeah. I yes. did, I did, I think season one and two and then dropped off. Uh, but I would go back. That is something I'd do on the rowing machine. That'd be a good one. To yeah, do on it's a good one machine. for the rowing machine. Yes, yeah. excellent. It's a good. Yeah. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. Um, and the third one is just if you really like, let's keep it on light and nice. Uh, yeah. A new podcast that I've started listening to more regularly. It's like it's been in my feed for a while, and then I don't always like click download or play. And I have started listening to it a bit more. Is the Spill, which is a Mamma Mia podcast, and uh, it's yeah. totally just around trashy tv so it's just it's just all pop culture and it's i think it's like a 15 or 20 minute podcast and it's most days maybe three days a week i'm not sure exactly how many days it is um and it just talks about the latest things and what i like about it is that it sort of keeps me in touch with stuff that's going on on australian tv as well because i don't always know that or follow that and it keeps me sort of my little touch of cultural Australia uh, mm. pop culture Australia as well as you know it talked about obviously also the, the end of the younger it's and you know other shows that I watched the bold type etc etc so that was my third thing for the week the spill podcast lovely lovely, lovely. okay we are done for the week Nikki I'll see you next week I'll see you then thanks for chatting Bye-bye. bye bye